Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy. I know they're watching. We love you. You'll be back uh, next week. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy. I remember standing here a few months ago as we were kind of closing out or drawing to the end of 2020, and I said, this is the hardest year we've been in, and Pastor Tammy and Pastor Phil have led us so amazingly, but I stand here today before you, and I say, this is the hardest year we've been in, and Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy have done such an amazing job of leading us and sensing the Spirit of God, and uh, just, wow, thank you so much, Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy. Be praying. Um, Just some amazing things going on here at Influence Church, and you all are part of it. Amen? Turn in your Bibles. You can clap. Come on, give it up, give it up. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter one. James chapter one. And we're gonna read the word of God. Do you have your pages with you? Come on, let me hear it. I love that. I remember hearing my grandmother flip through her big, thick Bible. When I was a kid, she would be on, the, she'd be on that pew sitting beside me. And when I got out of hand, I, I would uh, experience that Bible in a way that I, maybe some of you haven't, but phew, quiet. <laughs> But I remember her flipping through those pages as my grandfather would preach. So excited. I'm so grateful for the legacy of God. Amen. Let's leave it to our next generation. Uh, let's pray real quick. Father, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we continue in your presence. There's nothing sweeter than. There's nothing sweeter than you, Jesus Christ, in your presence. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place, tangibly in this place. But Holy Spirit, you want to make your home in us. And so God, as we hear your word, that it just wouldn't come across ears that would be mute or unable to understand. But God, we pray right now that as the Spirit of God would minister to us through the word of God, it would fall into a field, a heart that's a field that's ready and ripe to receive the word of God and the seed. God, we pray over your word as a living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So let's get into James chapter one. Uh, My brethren, count it all. Did you hear that? Somebody say all. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I'm in verse three, if I didn't tell you that, going to verse eight, so not not real far. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'm making sure you're with me. Lacking what? Nothing. Nothing. Good, good, good. We're here, we're here. If any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God. He gives it to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no what? Doubting. With no what? Doubting. Doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave tossed by a wave, sorry, a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Amen? So the message for today, if I had a title to put to it, you may come up with your own. You can let me know that one, where it's at. But the title that I gave it in in the season of life that I'm in is when the props get kicked out. When the props get kicked out. I've heard some amazing, uh, I, I really don't want to say amazing, but I've heard some, in the last week, some testimonies of what people are going through that's just devastating. Some here, some in our city, And I feel that there was actually something else that I wanted to share on after Bill Fetter's amazing message last week, amen, and challenging message that he had. But I kept getting, uh, this kept coming up and kept coming up and kept coming up. So this is for somebody. It's for me, but it's also for somebody in this room. When the props get kicked out, and worship has even added to this theme about what do we do when the props get kicked out? Sometimes what feels like what our life is propped up with what do we do when they get kicked out? 
In James, one of the key words, one of the key words in the book of James is faith. Somebody say faith. faith. What do you do when the props get kicked out? Who do you turn to when the props get kicked out? Many people that I've heard, like I said this week, have been going through trials and tribulations and tests. I came across a mom in the coffee shop Wednesday that I came to find out that she was on the way to her son's funeral. Devastating. There are many people that are battling with cancer. There are many people that are other hardships of family. Other people in their family have passed away. Praying for you all. Some of even just a few weeks ago. And some surprising. There's financial hardships. Of course, I mentioned cancer. I mentioned, or I haven't mentioned, but COVID. It seems to be something on all the forefronts of our minds. Socially, there's hardships. Afghanistan this last week. Such a tragedy. Of course, the tension of vaccines and the tension of mask or not mask. What do you do when it feels like the props of life are kicked out? Everything we must do must be unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I was able to speak just for a few minutes to our young adults this last Thursday, and I have been a part of the young adults ministry helping them for, I think, since the year 2016. And I came into our young adult, our young adult service on Thursday, and it was just, there was a heaviness. It feels like some of us have had the props kicked out. And this last week, we were working, a friend of mine, uh, Eric and I, so graciously, were able to, to get a property um, in your Belinda. Praise the Lord. We're being, Pastor Phil always says, be planted and you will thrive. So we're planted in your Belinda. This is a full out miracle. If you want to hear about it, uh, you got some time. It blew my mind. But the house needs completely remodeled. And this week, a friend of mine, we, we were moving some framing. And he's, it, it, even him, he's going through a situation in life where it feels like the props have been kicked out. And as we were actually there, because how many of you know the things that are around us, they're just a catalyst for the spiritual because he's there leaning on a post that we need to move. Amen. And he said, it just, he did, by what he, the testimony told me, I could tell that he had just felt like the props of life had just been kicked out. And as we were praying and I just felt the Lord say, it's gonna be okay. He's got you. When it feels like the props of life are being kicked out, I want you to know that the Lord is working on the unseen on your behalf as a Christian, as a Christian. Did you hear me? In life when it feels like the props of life as a Christian, as a child of God, when it feels like the props are kicked out, God has been working and will work on your behalf in the unseen. Amen? Let's give, let's give God some glory. Because when it feels like, when it feels like, this is my little prop picture right here, okay? When the props of life have been kicked out, whatever it may be, maybe it's, maybe it's your health, maybe it's a family situation, but it feels like the props of life have been kicked out. What do you do? It feels like maybe even sometimes you're empty, right? I've been there. It feels like that all that it is is just a shell and it's like I'm numb and I'm just going through the motions because it felt like everything that I knew was there and had me held up is now gone. The props of life are kicked out. What do you do? Let's look at James because I think he gives us some amazing insight to what we should do. 
the, in, the first, in the second verse, it says that you must have all joy. You must have all joy. If you're taking notes, the point number one I want to give you is you must have all joy. All joy. How can we have all joy? Amen. In the Lord indeed. Joy. This is how we must face trials. You know how I want to face the trial? I've been there. 2019, I could barely walk. You know I wouldn't walk across the street to the office because my back, I was in so much pain. When I face trials, do you know what my natural man wants to do? Complain, murmur, drag my butt because I'm just not feeling it. But Jesus, he said for the joy, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Can I tell you that's upside down from my thinking? You know, I want like the, I want the joy and then I want the good feelings. I want the happiness with all of it. I don't want to have to dig to someplace deeper. But did you know that joy, joy, we're to have joy in all things. Count it all a joy when you come into diverse, when you come into trials, all joy. It's a fruit of the spirit. Christian, follower of Jesus Christ. Joy is one of those things on the dashboard of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ that tells you how things are going. And if I get in my natural man and I've got my face all down and I've got my, I've got my beat up attitude on, that I've just been beat up by the world, the props have been kicked out, woe is me. But if I look at the spiritual side of things and I look at joy, joy there's only one way that joy is manifest in my life. Do you know how that is? It's not by my situation. It's not by my circumstance. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? All of the fruit of the Spirit, the only way that's produced in your life is by you in the presence of Almighty God and the Holy Spirit manifesting itself through you. Amen? Joy is an intelligent, godly evaluation of the situation from God's perspective. Did you hear that? That's what joy is. So when Jesus... When we were told that Jesus said, for the joy of, that was set before him, he endured the cross. He saw what the father wanted to do. He saw all of you sitting here today. And he said, because I am the firstborn among many. Did you hear me? Yes. The joy that was set before him wasn't the blood that he was going to shed. Wasn't the scars that he was going to receive. Wasn't the nails that were going to go through his hands. That was all appropriate and necessary. But the joy was you. Do you hear me? The joy was you today. The joy was you. He sweat drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane because the joy was you 2,021 years later. Somebody say amen. amen. It is joy is an intellectual, godly perspective on the situation. Not an intellectual, worldly perspective. That's what we're fighting with right now. Everybody's got a good opinion and the opinion constantly changes. With every headline, I came across somebody in the coffee shop and he looked at me and he said, when has it become so difficult to trust the news? I've got to research everything. I got to spend half my day figuring out if I can trust this headline. He was a little older than I am. So I'll say, okay. <laughs> John 15 and 11, there, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. If you feel like your joy indicator of your life by Holy Spirit is a little pegged out on empty, the word of God. Jesus said, I speak to you that your joy may be full. Do you know when you meditate on the word of God? Do you want to know how you can get the, like I said, the circumstance isn't going to make it any better. 
It's just not going to change. You know, they call that, what do they say? If I do the same thing and expect a different result, that's called insanity. If you think just doing the same thing is going to cause you to have some joy, you got to get the word of God in there. You got to fight through the perspective of this earth to get to God's perspective. Gehazi came to, to Elijah one day and said, look, the armies of the, our enemy's armies are surrounded us and we're dead. What happened? Elijah said, no, no, go look again. We need to push back from the Gehazi mindset and pray ourselves into the Elijah mindset sometimes because as he went back to the window, Elijah said, Lord, would you open Gehazi's eyes that he can see? And Gehazi went, and what did he see? The armies of the living God surrounded on the mountaintops. If you know anything, if you know anything, give God some glory. If you know anything about warfare, altitude, altitude is your advantage. No, no, do you hear me this morning? Altitude is your advantage. You're going through something and you got yourself all down and low and your head hung over and the joy of the Lord because you have a perspective from God. Your altitude dwelling in the secret place of the Most High is your advantage. And Gehazi was able to see that the armies of the living God were surrounded on the hilltops. We're in a war right now, ladies and gentlemen, followers of Jesus Christ. But the good thing is we got joy. We got to win. When the, your life, it feels like the props have been kicked out. First off, it's not your life anymore. You surrendered that, right? What we have going on in our nation today is a bunch of self-preservation. And we all fight it. We all fight it. I fight it. I miss a breath and I think, is that it? Trust me. I've had those nights where you wake up and you think, Oh, I'm still breathing because there's a nature in us that we've got to continue to surrender to the divine nature of Christ, of God, to be molded in his image and it's his life. I surrendered it a long time ago. We're going to get to Galatians 2.20 in a little bit, but guess what? It's his life. I've surrendered it and it's his battle and the win is for us all. Amen. Here we go. I got to go faster. We got to go faster. (sighs) Where am I at? John 17 verse 13, check this one out. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that you may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Who's the themselves? Hello, that's us. When we're faced with trials, I think what's happened is we've been through a season where we've been faced with some pretty bad trials. We've been trying to, you know, they forced us to kind of keep apart and because, but when we come together, we need to have some joy. We need to allow ourselves to rub up against each other, encourage each other, look at each other in the face and smile. Look, I know what you're going through. And when you're here, can I tell you, you don't even have to say anything to me, but it tells me the faithfulness and the goodness of God on your life that we will live and not die and declare the works of God. Galatians 5.22, we said this one, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Joy is one of those indicators. And guess what? It's not just a feel good, I use it when I want to. We need to, we need, when we're faced with anything, he said in any trial, in any tribulation, we are to come at it with what? Joy. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. They're not carnal. Sometimes we want to come at things with the fists of flaring. But the Holy Spirit, God's word tells us we need to come at it with what? Joy of all trials and tribulations. Guess what? It's time for me to level up. Amen? Various trials is another word. Oh, wait, wait, we got to do this one. Hebrews 
12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down where? At the right hand of the throne of God. Come on, somebody give God some glory. That's where our author and our finisher, he started writing the book when he already knew the end. <laughs> he knows that for your life. When the props get kicked out, it hasn't surprised him. Various trials. Becoming a Christian doesn't exclude you from the trial. We want it to. Trust me. Trust me. We've wanted it to. And I think even as somewhat, uh, as leaders, sometimes we have to repent because we, paint, we have a tendency to paint a picture of that. But it's not that at all. The grass isn't greener on the other side. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, what are they going to do to you? If they kept my word, they'll keep yours. If they've rejected it, they'll reject. Listen, because you feel rejection, because they've not, as a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, they, re, they rejected Jesus long before they rejected you in their heart. You're fighting sometimes a battle that you need to realize it's spiritual. And the only way you're going to move forward in advance is fighting it the spiritual way. Trials. Jesus, look at him. He was tempted in the world. Is this same? When you read the King James Version, it actually uses when you're faced with temptations. The New King James, they did the, the luxury of helping us to kind of pull away from that a little bit and put trials in there, but it's the same word. The same word trials in the Greek is the same word for temptation when Jesus was faced with temptation in the, in the, um, in the wilderness. And how did, he, how did he accomplish it? With the word of God. Do you realize that he is the very word of God, the very expression of the Lord God Almighty himself unto us, made flesh, walking among us. And he gets confronted with Satan in the wilderness. And you know what the whole thing was? Satan wanted him to prove who he was. Prove your identity. Doesn't that sound familiar to some things? Prove. How many times the enemy comes to us and he asks us to prove who we are? We start propping everything back up and try to get it all fixed, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to make this work. <laughs> just, just come back in 15 minutes. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. What did he, every time he was tempted, he said, for it is written. He didn't even say to the enemy, guess what? Hey, just a newsflash for you, Satan. I've already spoken it, but I'm going to remind you of it again. He didn't need to do it. When the props of life get kicked out, remember what our place of refuge and what, our, what, our, what we should be doing. Don't give the enemy the time of day. Don't even let him have one inkling of your imagination. Do you know the only, the only authority that the enemy has in our life is the authority that we forfeit in the trial? If I don't show up to court, he wins. Job. What happened with Job? Man, he got the props kicked out from under him. I'm reading in Job in my daily walk Bible. Who does a daily walk Bible? We got to, I sew the word in. Even when, even with one eye open asleep, <laughs> awake, asleep. But anyways, Job, I'm reading that. And you talk about a man, he's getting bad news and bad news shows up. He's getting more bad news and more bad news shows up. But he would not curse God. He had some questions and God had to remind him who he was who God was and who Job was and helped him get things straightened out a little bit. And Job said, God, forgive me. So there are seasons when we go through things. If you're a non-Christian, you're going through some stuff. The first thing you can do is repent and get on the track that God has for you. Amen. Amen. 
He loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you. Jesus Christ came to die for you. Dropped bloods, dropped blood, shed blood for you, for your sins, for your iniquities. And the same for us all in this place. If you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God's got it. He knows what's going on. Think of Paul in the New Testament. Paul, speaking of trials, you know, Paul is going into the road of Gethsemane and he is believing that he is doing the will of God. He is a Pharisee above all Pharisees. I, Pastor Phil has said this many times. He said, God will let you pray the wrong prayers long enough. <laughs> Did you hear me? Yes. God will let you pray wrong prayers long enough because as long as you keep coming in and asking God, eventually things will get lined up. But Paul was, he actually, it was Saul, okay? Not to be confused with the Old Testament Saul. This is the New Testament Saul. He is believing he's out there advocating and doing the will of God. And he is eradicating this sect of Judaism that's called Christianity. Killing Christians, dragging them out of their homes, dragging them out into the streets and having them killed. Talk about a list of things. And he's on the road to Damascus and who shows up? Jesus. So much, there's a physical blind, he's physically blind, there's a blinded light that shines, it knocks him to the ground, he says, Lord, who are you? And Jesus says, it's me, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, why are you fighting against me? I believe that he was blind because of the physical light, yes, but I believe spiritually, emotionally, physically, every prop of his life had just been kicked out from underneath him. Did you hear me? And he said, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, go to this direction, find Ananias on a street called Straight, and have him pray for you. And slowly, they, you know how it says that the, when finally they prayed for him, they laid hands on him, he accepted Jesus Christ, they prayed that he'd be filled with the Spirit, that the blindness fell off like scales from his eyes. You know, I think that was because finally things had started to get propped back up in a proper manner. When the props feel, when it feels like the props of life have been kicked out, what are you gonna do? Who's going to help you? We know that one. Paul, repent, get back on track. Job, repent, get back on track. We must view trials as a way or a means of moral and spiritual growth. Amen? Amen. We don't rejoice in the trial, but we rejoice in the possible results. Did you hear me? That's a big difference. You know? I rejoice in the trial, not because of what I'm going through, but I rejoice because there's a perspective from heaven. I've got a vision from heaven, and if I don't have it, and if I'm not feeling the joy in it, I need to get things aligned. Get in that prayer place. Get in the presence of God. God, help me to have a perspective from heaven. The desperate. Do you realize that in Psalms, it says that God answers the prayer of the desperate? Absolutely. In the, uh, in, Jesus talked about the, the woman who kept coming to the judge. And finally, the judge who Jesus said was an ungodly person said, if I don't give this woman what she wants, She's going to kill me. Amen. Come on. We got to get desperate sometimes. The world's going to try to tell you. The enemy's going to try to tell you. Your flesh, your fallen nature is going to try to tell you. And unless you get desperate for that perspective from heaven, the testing of my faith, verse two. Oh, let's put a block back up on here. How's that sound? Because here's what happened. I said it earlier. But God is working in the unseen on your behalf to get you propped up. It may not feel like it or it may not seem like it was the way that it was. But see, what happened when my friend and I had to move the post at my house? 
The thing we had to do was shore up everything else horizontally. We had to put in extra framing joists and we had to put in extra anchors and we had to spend all of this time prepping this before the post could be knocked out. And there was this load upstairs of weight that had to come down or it wanted to come down. But we have to carry it, the glory of God, to wherever you're at. The glory of God wants to go with you. And when it feels like the props of life have been kicked out, God's working on, the, on your behalf and the unseen so you can continue to carry the glory of God. Child of God, listen to me. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes it feels like it's been wrecked. And sometimes it may not be put back together the way that you thought it would be. But he is putting you back together. Joy is one of the indicators that you need to have to prop you up this way. And guess what? The fruit of the Spirit, the people around you need to see it. I, one of the things that uh, God gave the, a word to me for that friend was, you're in a community. God has surrounded you with it because he knew you needed it this way too. He knew you needed the support from the left and the right. The, whole, the fruit of the Spirit is something that you need in your life. And guess what? The world gets to see it left and right. As the same as the presence of God, you're the presence of God vertically. Guess what that makes? A cross. Like that? That's what I get from do, doing children's ministry for several years. It's like God's presence, we shine. God's presence, we shine. It's a cross. <laughs> Jesus, you know everything. <laughs> he knew we needed that. Childlike, yeah, you got that. You're like, that's the best part of the sermon right there. You can draw that on your paper and you're good to go. All right, we gotta keep going. We got two minutes left. Okay, we were learning fast. Testing of your faith, the second point. Say testing of my faith. Produces patience. When serving God with your spiritual gifts, we must remember that we're going to get tests. And that the test of my faith is the opportunity to prove my patience. Guess what another fruit of the Spirit is? What is it? Patience. patience. Oh, you're so, you've got it. Romans 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace that has been given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, for God has dealt each and every one of us a measure of what? Faith. And the amazing thing is, real quick, I'm gonna do this. When you impute your faith that God has given you, because God has given every one of us a measure of faith, the same as you have a divine nature in you, you are created in the image of God. What people do with it is up to them. If they're going to form it in their own power, in their own ability, in their own strength, or if they're going to turn to God and say, God, this divine nature in me, will you form and mold it? I surrender and I give you my life. That same thing, God measures to us faith. And if you take that faith and you impute it to God, Galatians 2.20 says this, that I am crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live yet not I, but who lives in me? Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith. Of the, whose faith? The Son of God. Wait, this head and body thing really works out. He's the head. I am the body. We are the body. And what's in him is in me. And now I take my faith and I put it in him and say, Jesus, I can't do it. Remember the father that came up to Jesus and he had his son and he, he, Jesus, he said, Jesus, will you heal my son? And Jesus said, if you believe. And he goes, I believe. And then the next thing he said was, help me in my unbelief. If you have enough to just say, God, I believe, but I don't believe, God starts with that. And he is the head, and you are a part of his body. And as his faith is in you, listen, this isn't just a, a wimpy, nobody faith. This is, a, this is the faith that allowed Jesus Christ to go to the cross. Well, where is it at? In me. Somebody say, in me. This is the faith that, allowed, that, that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, from the grave, three days in it, resurrection power. Somebody say, that faith is in me. 
imputed. When I give him, he gives me. Come on, give God some glory. When the props of life feel like they're kicked out, you know what you got? Faith. Somebody say faith. You know what else you got? Joy. Cool, you're learning. If I had a big marker, I needed a big Sharpie marker. If I do this again, I'll use a big Sharpie marker. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, take that one, write it down. It is our opportunity in testing to prove our genuineness, genuineness of your relationship with God. Did you hear that? You know how you, you, know how you prove the genuineness of a marriage? Time. Do you know how you prove the genuineness of a dollar bill? You put it up against the authentic. Your test that you're going through, your trial, your tribulation, is your opportunity to prove the genuineness of your relationship with God. I hated tests at school. Let me just be honest with you. Because why? I didn't put in enough time. The genuineness of my education was about to be proven by my lack of time. I'm just being honest. I was at school for the social part of it, not for the educational part. I was the one that really needed to repent. When I say, Lord, we repent for what we ought to change. Yeah, that was me. But if you're putting in the time with God, bring on the test, baby. Right? I'll take it with blinders. I don't need to cheat off of somebody beside me because it's what he's done in me. Okay, we can preach on that too. All right. The key verse, I told you the key word in, in James was faith, right? Remember what James said in 2.26, that faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. You know, yeah, faith without works is dead. Faith, I would say this, dead works is worse than no faith. Right? Faith has got to be working. Faith must work. I put this in like exclamation points in bold letters. Faith must work. What must it do? Just making sure you're awake. It must work. Verbal faith is not enough. I believe. Mental faith (laughs) is not enough. It's got to work. And the only way it's going to work is by the presence of God. There was a, okay, uh, Lawrence, Brother Lawrence, amazing book. Um, Little little short read. He wasn't a really intelligent man. He lived in the 1800s, but he said, I want to live my life in such a way as I realize if I could live in the realization that it's God and I and nobody else. How would I make decisions if I realized that it was was just God and I? If I live, we were were talking about it. um, We were praying at the prayer wall and we had talked about, Lord, we pray for our leaders and that they would not be man pleasers. We all have a tendency to do that. How would I live? What would I do? What would my decisions be if I lived in such a way that it was just God and I? And if I lived in such, okay, we could go way far with that. Let's keep going on. Faith must be there. Somebody say there. Have you ever heard somebody talk about a there, there? Like, oh, I want to go there. Like, that's the place I need to be. It's there. Like, I want to be at Cancun, there, right? (laughs) Not in the hot, humid California weather, what happened? It was raining yesterday. I want to be there. Your faith, we have to have a there faith. When I get there, guess what's going to be there? Faith, the presence of God. Where I'm at, guess what? The faith. There, faith has to be there, and it must inspire action. Amen? Amen? This is true faith. Faith endures trials. Trials come and go. Guess what? If it's not this trial, it's going to be what? Another trial. Strong faith will face the trials ahead, ahead, on head, and develop endurance. Faith understands the temptation that's in the midst of the trial. Did you hear me? Being tempted is not sinning. The devil wants you to think that when you're tempted, oh, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be tempted with this. No, we live in a fallen world. The devil's a liar. 
When I'm being tempted, there is something in me that needs to be tested, and God wants to prove me to be strong through me in Jesus' name. That's called grace. I don't deserve it, that he would show me divine influence to allow me to choose and reflect him. Amen? That's why we live in grace. It's not that, oh, God, cover me again. No, it's at the place of decision, I choose what God would have for me. Okay, that's another sermon. It will not allow us to give in to our lust in our side. This is what faith does. Faith obeys God's word. Faith produces doers. Somebody say doer. Of the word of God. It gives us the ability to choose wisdom of heaven and pushes back the wisdom of this earth. What is that? Faith. Faith is not simple ideas separate from life. Rather, faith produces right living, right motives, right relationships, and the right thinking in your life. Amen? Amen. Faith. Did we add that board yet? Okay, I think we did. Patience. Patience is not the passive resignation to an adverse circumstance, but a positive steadfastness that bravely endures. Let's put that board on there. That sounds like an important one. We need patience because it's gonna help me to endure. It's not passive thinking, well, you know, what is gonna get through this. No, it is aggressively, bravely, steadfastly enduring, amen? Too many times Christians get it. Well, yeah, somebody just ran through like our kids area where they play out there and he's like, aren't you guys Christians? What, are we just become, are we just known as a bunch of pushovers? Like my patience, it's easy to just go, what did Jesus say? It's broad is the road that leads to destruction. Patience is hard. Amen. Your perfect work, number verse four, write this down. Your perfect work is in progress. Amen. Your perfect work is in progress. We're almost done. Good thing is I'm just a few minutes over. Are you guys doing okay? Somebody say my perfect work is almost done. It's in progress. Matt, Gilman and I didn't talk before this. Remember what he talked about? Being in the process and being away from the presence and having the promise? We need God's presence and he is working a perfect work in you. Perfect does not denote absolute sinlessness, but the idea of being fully developed and matured. Amen? Amen. We're in a process. What did Paul say? It's like a glass dim, but when I can see clear, he said also that whenever the, when we are being perfected, right? When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I put away the childish things. Why? Because you're growing into maturity. Complete work speaks of the idea of fullness and wholeness. Somebody say fullness and wholeness. Of spirit, soul, and body. Completeness. God is working a complete work in you. He's not going to forget one part. He actually said at one point, you and I get a resurrected body. Come on, the temple, the Holy Spirit lives in here. The spirit me, the soul me, and the body me. And it'll all at one point be all caught up. Last one, freely ask for wisdom. How should we ask? Freely. Freely ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom and be assured that God will give it abundantly. You know, I go and ask the bank for a loan and it's like, this is what you get. It's like, man, it's like squeezing rocks around here for water. But when you ask God, freely, freely and abundantly, he said, he said that he has a future for you, an expectation that would blow your mind, a hope. Freely ask him. And he said, again, this word freely actually speaks of when it talks about the reproach of God. That talks about how juveniles and how immature. And they're like, well, you don't have it, but I do. Have you ever seen kids do this? 
Abby and River do this all the time, and I'm like, I'm, not, I'm about to not spare the rod. Because it's like, don't rub it in your sister's face. God doesn't do that with us. He's not up there in heaven and go, don't you wish you had what I had? Don't you wish you knew what I knew? Don't you wish you had somebody to guide you? Don't you wish you had somebody to give you a vision for your life? Don't you wish you had somebody to help you out in difficult situations? God doesn't act like that. You know what he does? He said, will you just freely ask me? Will you freely just ask me? If you feel like you're missing the Holy Spirit, Pastor Phil says, you know why we need to have a fullness of the Holy Spirit? Because we are like bags with holes in them that we keep leaking. And when you get to the place where you feel like you've leaked out, all the joy is gone, all the patience is gone, all the self-control is gone. It's all gone. Luke eleven thirteen, 13, Jesus said, ask the Father and he would give you the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. Ask for wisdom and you'll get it abundantly. And listen, sometimes I will tell you, it's not on your clock because he's trying to get you aligned. Check this out, James 4, three, 2 and 3. You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. Wow, doesn't that sound like some things that are going on? You fight war, you fight in your war, yet you do not have because you do not what? Ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You missed it that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Sometimes God has to wait on it because he's trying to get things aligned in here. Wisdom. My last one. I'm not going to karate chop this if you're thinking. <laughs> Hi! No. <laughs> Because he said, if we ask with doubt, this can be a hard one. This is a lifelong process. Do you know what we forfeited in the garden for the knowledge of good and evil? Do you know what one of our fights continually is? Pride of me thinking that I know what I know. Maybe sometimes a little more than God. Do you hear me this morning? The double-mindedness works in there. It actually means to be double-souled. So your soul, particularly, it speaks of your feelings, your thoughts, and your emotions. So your spirit person, when you become a born-again child of God, is connected to God. You're alive eternally. Now what happens is that spirit of your little spirit with God's big spirit has to go through this funnel called the soul the feelings, the thoughts, and the emotions. And as you are desperate for God and as you spend time in the Word of God, I believe that there are ways that we can become a bigger conduit for the presence of God in the world around us. That's called maturity, amen? Paul talked about carnal Christians and he talked about Christians that were led of the Spirit. So, but what happens is a double-mindedness is in there working. Well, do you think we really got this? You know, and it's just on and on. And it's my soul, my feelings, my thoughts, and my emotions that are constantly at war. There's that where Paul said, what man am I? What wretched person am I that I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing that. And I know what I shouldn't be doing. And that's what I find myself doing. That's the soul person. And that soul person is in there. And when we're faced trials and tribulations, we got to put that soul person down. Remember, he died. He wants to come back up again. She wants to come back up again. But in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we got to remember who lives. It's not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. And now my feelings must be governed by him, not by my circumstance or my situation or what I'm going through. My thoughts must be governed by him. I must cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because if not, 
I'm a double-minded person, unstable in all my ways, being driven. Did you see what, do you hear the words? It's amazing that what we see unfolding in our society now, it's like people are just driven. Like, are they even thinking? And if we're not careful, church, guess what's gonna happen? Bah, bah, bah. Where are we all going? Bah. Wait a second. We got the mind of Christ. We got the word of God. We got the Holy Spirit. He wants to show us. Hey guys, there's a cliff coming up. Somebody better stop this train. The Holy Spirit wants to give us a gift of faith. That's it. I'm done. If you feel like you're laughing, yeah, laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing. In the, I, if you feel like you're lacking, that was the word I was looking for. It's my high school education right there for you. If you feel like you're lacking, ask. God wants to gift you. God wants to help you. Get filled. Why do we need to be here on Sundays? Can I tell you guys just a newsflash? Your sermon on Sunday is not enough to get you to Saturday. And if I could ask for you, I would, but I can't. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And if you get to the place where you feel, God, I just don't feel like the fire of God. It's like, God, we were singing about it. Get in the presence of God. You desire it. I remember being a boy, a young man, not a little older than a boy, seems like a long time ago, crying out for God in revival service, services in a church in Pennsylvania where the carpet was purple. And somebody said, how do you remember this purple? Because my face was in it, crying out for God. I didn't know what my future was gonna hold. I didn't know what tomorrow was gonna bring. I didn't know who I was gonna marry. I didn't know where I was gonna live, but God did. And I didn't know what else to do other than to put my face in the carpet and cry out for God. That's okay. Because when it feels like the props have been kicked out of your life, he's working as a child of God and the unseen on your behalf to accomplish in your life a plan, a purpose, and a destiny. That without you crying out for God and desperately seeking him, it ain't gonna happen. Amen. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we can stand to our feet. We're gonna close in a minute and worship. We can stand up, we can stand up. You can stretch your legs. You've been sitting for a while. There's just two groups of people that I wanna pray with real quick. The first group, I talked about earlier that if you, if you have been questioning yourself, am I a child of God? I talked about two different people. I talked about a group that wasn't in a relationship with God. They didn't know that God loved them personally and wanted to have a personal relationship with them. I wanna pray for you right now. If you would say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I'm not gonna save you. Jesus Christ is the one that saved you at the cross over 2,000 years ago. I'm gonna agree with you in faith believing that you are a child of God. The Bible says confess with your mouth because of what's happening in your heart, because believing, believing, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess that he died on the cross for you. Confess that you realize that God loves you. Repent for the way that you were going and turn toward him. And he said, at that point, you are saved. You would say, well, it's gotta be more complicated than that. Can I be honest with you? He said, childlike faith, childlike, you need to enter into the kingdom of God. Test, taste, and see that the Lord is good. If you would say, I don't know if I'm a child of God, I don't know if I'm a Christian, I wanna pray with you today. And if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up in the air, unashamed, because Jesus was not ashamed when he went to the cross. Unashamed, unashamed. If you wanna pray with me, I wanna pray with you right now. We're gonna, listen, this is your spiritual birthday. What is today's date? August 22nd, 2021, if this is you, raising your hand, I'm praying in faith with you. I'm praying with faith, believing with you. Two or three are gathered together in agreement. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank, oh, we can do better than that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us 
and sending your son to die for me. Jesus, I believe in you. I give you my life. I repent for going in the wrong direction. I turn to you. Jesus, write my name in heaven. You are the son of God. You are the Lord of my life. You are my love of my life. God, help me to be desperate for you. Baptize me in Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you every day of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some glory. And the second group, can we just pray real quick? And we're gonna sing this song, and whatever you're going through, if it feels like the props of life have been kicked out, I want you to worship God. I want you to spend some time in the presence of God. And listen, you need to carry it from this place to whatever you're going through and every day of the, the week, every day, every moment of your life, but it can start here. Something can shift right here and right now. But Heavenly Father, we come before you and the trials and the temptations. God, we thank you for your word and how it encourages and gives us a vision, the perspective from heaven. God, we ask you for it. We're desperate, God. We're desperate for more of you, a vision from heaven. God, we're desperate for more of your word. God, create in a people, in us. God, set us apart. Set us apart for you, a, a people carrying your presence, a people carrying your glory, a people carrying your word. God, a people going forth with you. God, we thank you that you've chosen us before we could even choose you. And God, you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. God, we thank you that when it, we thank you for the result of the trial that's set before us, the possibilities, the abundance. God, we ask you for wisdom. We ask you in faith. God, we impute our faith into you, God. We thank you for resurrection power and resurrection faith in us. God, we love you and we worship you and we thank you for the God results in, in Orange County. We thank you for the God results in our city. We thank you for the God results in our country. God, we're, we're looking to who can it be? Who can help us? God, it's you and it's only you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the trials that were faced. God, we thank you that it's an opportunity for us to step up as the bride of Christ in the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.